Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's for you. The film board gathers. The Gang of Thugs is here to take on a movie currently in theaters. And this month, we're headed to the big bad city where everyone is dressed in robes and masks, aged like fine marble. It's Scree Sixum, where Ghostface follows the waterfront all the way to New York City. There's never been one like this, Gale. It's franchise time. Strange that you and I have never spoken on the phone. This is long overdue. What is this place? A shrine. (laughs) Did you miss me? He's gonna keep coming after us. Maybe he gets to win this time. We've got to lure him in. And we execute him. hear you're a horror fan it's been said everywhere friday 
Joining me on the show, we have the Once Future King, Steve Sarmento. Hello, Steve. Hello. Oh, and Justin Yeager's here. Hi, JJ. Ah! <laughs> and Tommy Metz, the handsomest podcaster in the history of podcasters everywhere. What's your favorite podcast? <laughs> I can't do the voice. <laughs> you guys scream. We have, I uh, totally gaslit myself. I, uh, oh. I convinced myself that Andy and I had talked about the entire Scream franchise oh. uh, on the next reel. <laughs> and we have not. Wow. Uh, the only other Scream show that we've talked about was on the film board ocean and tommy did a film board on scream five or screen t22 uh and uh they talked about it some you know whenever that came out two years ago three years ago during the pandemic it was a pandemic movie yeah so uh, tom let's let's get set it set the table for us here the last time you were here talking about the screen movie you're talking about it on the film board and you you said you're a big fan of the franchise has that changed with Screesixum? <laughs> uh, I'll, no. I'll stop that joke. It doesn't play for very I don't know. long. Well, well, before you go, Tom, <laughs> is this a new thing? Because we were talking about Megthrian and like now yeah. McForan. That was last month. So mm-hmm. yeah. is this a new thing that we're going to infuse numbers into words to make Mithri- movie titles? Mithrigic Mike. Mithrigic Mike. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm an enormous fan of okay. this series. I always have been, and and I'm not a big fan of, and I always sort of, cr- not cringe, but go gross at the title of slashers. That always, mm, like, how yeah. we just sort of throw that out there. I'm mm-hmm. not a big fan of slashers. That means a knife thing. But either way, <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan of slashers, but this is just smart enough, and I like the whodunit aspect. Mm-hmm. I really liked the thing that I liked about the last one, Scream 22, was um, how they just came out and said, the killer's on the poster. That was like, great. Yeah, yeah, that's really smart. And so it's I like how knowing how incredibly meta and weird it is. And yeah. JJ, you uh, are new, famously new to the franchise. You just... Yeah binge the whole thing for the I first did. time for the first time uh let's get a quick update on your journey through horror uh, through the eyes of scream uh well so it's interesting because the kind of horror that i'm it's a, horror in general is new to me right and i'm and i'm sort of taking this leap to be able to watch horror and expose myself to these kind of feelings in film that i ha- hadn't for years you know and you say famously as as i've been a host on the next reel i've mm-hmm. shied away from this type of suspense and drama and scary stuff mm-hmm. um and so even in my approach now to horror um Tommy mentioned slashers. This kind of thing of the 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 jump scare for the sake of jump scare thing is not the kind of horror that I even want, like enjoy going in. But I really enjoy the meta thing. I really enjoy the deep thought aspect of things that can be brought to films. So Scream occupies a really interesting place in that in in that it is both set up specifically for those jump scares for the sake of jump scares. But then also in some of the films, which I just realized because I just watched all six in the last two weeks, um, that in some of those, they go into that sort of deep thought writing piece when it comes to the story. Mm-hmm. Some of the cases in 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 terms of the through line from, from film to film as well. Um, and when it plays with those things, I love it. And so I have lots of thoughts about the entire franchise. And interestingly enough, this film is about the idea of a franchise. So mm-hmm. it works out <laughs> really nice for our conversation today. And um, in general, I'm so excited that I went down this journey with Scream, um, regardless of how I feel about, you know, one film or the other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll talk about that more as we go into into how we feel today. Steve, I was thinking as I was watching this movie, especially on the heels of Scream 5, um, uh, that this might have been one of those interesting pivots to change the perspective and make Ghostface <laughs> the villain and everybody's running from the legend of Billy Loomis's daughter. Uh, you also did the did the whole yeah. uh, watch through. I was not yeah. aware of that until just moments yeah. ago. So how did, yeah. what did you how did this all hit you leading into Scream 6? Opening thoughts, please. For me, the most interesting thing when watching a Scream movie is what's going to be the motivation of the the villain the slasher the killer the ghost face um so for me that's it's like oh we're going to get the same things and jj i'm right there with you i love when we're referencing things and we're playing with those ideas and it goes back 
to the first one. And to me, it's sort of the, it can be the Achilles heel of some of these films in the franchise mm-hmm. of how, how well do you address that issue? Because for me, sure. the first one w- wasn't about that one as much. I mean, that's the thing everybody remembers is the, oh, there's rules to a scary movie and they just grab that. Whereas the motivation of the killers is, the first one's really, really solid. And then they latch onto this concept of like, oh, we've got rules and we're going to comment on films and some do better than others. I think this uh, reboot, rehash, reheat or whatever they're they're doing. Um, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this. It's It's Scream for a new generation i liked a lot of things they did in scream 2022 with like the ryan johnson jokes they there's they're updating it and so i'm intrigued to see with this one how they sort of run parallel you know if we look at the first four as a set in this 2022 and the moving forward as a set how do they sort of compare and parallel along because i think they they draw attention to some of those things Mm -hmm. um in this one so i'm i'm all on board it's not a, f- I'm not like a super fan of these films, but I'm always intrigued with what are they going to do? Cause it's like the known, known quantities. Like how is Ghostface come into play? What, what characters are we bringing back? How are we referencing stab? You know, all of that. So it's, it's a familiar playground. I like to see what the filmmakers bring to it. Well, and I think when do we run out of gas? Right. Yeah. That's the thing I found myself thinking the entire time is uh, like, I and I'll say up front, I enjoyed my time with this movie. I had mm-hmm. a good time and uh, I like the new core four. And uh, I, <laughs> you know, I, I think this one could have been called Scream Six, the great house cleaning, because now <laughs> pretty much everybody from the original uh, canon is gone. And we have this new core group of people that are making their way through the universe together. And there are some things that are happening that are different than we would normally expect mm-hmm. from a Scream franchise. And I think that's kind of delightful. And I also think it's interesting to me that this movie holds up under the weight of missing original cast members quite well. I did not miss Sydney. I didn't miss Dewey. I didn't miss any of those old people. And frankly, when Gail ultimately met her end... I was okay with that. Like that's it's sort of fine to use this opportunity of the of the rechise, right? Rebooting the franchise to to do that house cleaning, but how much gas is left in the tank, right? In terms of how creative can we be just talking about the meta nature of movies and how they play out in real life. And I'm I'm curious about that because this movie still leans pretty heavily into the gestalt of filmmaking and I I wonder where it could possibly go from here. To that question, because of the meta nature of Ghostface and referential cinema, is it possible they've kind of unwittingly created a truly never-ending franchise? First, I thought Gail lived. She did. Oh crap, she lived. It was it's my in voice. Deep it's hope. in voice. It's weird we don't see yes. her again, but they're like, right. she's gonna be fine, and the other person's hopped up on drugs. You no, know, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know what? I think I misinterpreted that. I thought they were talking about somebody else was going to be fine. There were so many people that ended up being fine. It got it was kind of like a blizzard. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, right. and so that so my question to that in the core four thing is, and and Tommy, you know this because you just did this, and I literally just watched this movie three days ago. Didn't Chad die in Scream 2022? No. Who's Chad? Chad is core four. <laughs> oh, the brother? The brother. Yeah, yeah. Core four. No, the brother. He, they were no, all he, deeply injured. They, yeah, he, was, he, was, he was horribly he, injured and then lived. And he yeah. gets so dragged much, out. So much so that at the end of this, when we have the really yeah. elaborate scene of him yeah. being, you know, crucified yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and killed. And then they literally say, as he's being hauled in the ambulance, how are you alive? <laughs> right. That's how I felt when I saw him on screen. And this one yes. I was like, wait, that yeah. can't be the same Chad. I thought Kirby died. I, right? thought, I yeah. remember Kirby oh, dying. Yes. 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 Yeah. I remember and, everyone dying. <laughs> yes. Kirby, let's be clear. Kirby did die after right. Scream 4. She was brought back to life in a photo right. in Scream 5 because yeah, everybody right. liked Hayden yeah. Panettiere so much in that movie. Right. So I think she, for all intents and purposes, she was supposed to be dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, with Chad, um, he's the Dewey of this sort of... You always think he's gonna get he gets stabbed yeah. or killed and he somehow <laughs> always survives. So he's gonna show up with a cane in yes, screen seven. Exactly. <laughs> Tom, I'm sorry, we totally hijacked your point. Go ahead. No, to go back to your original question about the 
truly never ending franchise. I'm always surprised. I mean, this film series is so cannibalistic. Yeah, like it yeah, gets yeah. so it yeah. eats itself alive over and over again. And this one seems like the most of that, that it's mm, so yeah. while moving yeah. on forward, it's so obsessed with the old movies, with mm-hmm. the lineup of killers. Mm-hmm. It's like relitigating all of that again. I do wonder how much I mean, because in this attempt to move on, it's so rooted in the past that mm-hmm. Billy Loomis is showing up. It's just, yeah. it's a little crazy. I don't know. That makes me question the amount of gas that you're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. and to go into a really uh, structural way about the gas. Mm-hmm. So after Scream 5, the Scream 2022, mm-hmm. they, that, this was the, the, they gave the, the dedication they said for Wes, right? So mm-hmm. is, has, has Wes Craven passed away? Is that, the yes. idea. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so then you have dedication the idea. was spelled D E A D. By the way, <laughs> mm-hmm. what? It's just so dedication honest. was spelled D E A D. Dedication. Never mind. No. Oh, oh wait. That's your <laughs> pun. Great. Okay. I'm like, wait a second. Is that an Easter egg? He's yeah, just they, waiting for everybody to get joke. it. <laughs> dedication for Wes. Get it? And everyone's like, oh my god. <laughs> Gallows match. Um. No, so my point is uh, to go in terms of how much gas is that really, I mean, he's the originator. So you and and maybe it's worth our examination and analysis to see if the franchise has taken over new life, different life, different feeling because of the different writer uh, or, you know, the the ideas here. Um, But obviously, if they're going to go somewhere else with this, it's going to have to have a new opinion or a new Mm -hmm. sort of origin for what it is i i get a little bad bit in this movie but i i think again not knowing that 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 had happened to wes craven watching the movie i actually was satisfied with the way that they approached this and even with all that rehash even with the relitigating that you're talking about tommy i felt like it fit right it felt like it fit into the the franchise so i think um even though i don't know where they were going to go or what they're going to do. I think uh, a Wes Craven devotee could do a great job with something new that I haven't thought of in regards to this. So Pete, back to your initial question you had for me about, Oh, if we were to pivot this a little bit from the the perspective of Ghostface and focus on, you know, this daughter of Billy Loomis and all that to me, that's where they've perfectly set things up. Cause to me, I saw this as we're, we're actually cleaning house of all the baggage of the, the, the prior scream films, the whole stab movie within a movie thing. That's all wiped clean because to me, this really started setting up two things. And I, I didn't see it as much in scream 2022, but there was something about that core four that just really resonated with me in terms of. Uh, like Gen Z right now and the whole issue of like surviving school shootings of being those people that are survivors and what that puts that, what place that puts them in, in society. And then you've got this whole issue of, of Sam being the daughter of Billy Loomis and whatever trauma or psychosis or whatever we call it. Those are the really interesting aspects of scream six for me for me it was nice to see all the references in the sort of countdown counting backwards to the origins i i love that as a device but i wanted more of the core four and sam dealing with her her trauma and i'm hoping that that's the launch pad that they take this in a new direction to just get away i don't need any more things about stab or kids you know being fascinated and quoting horror movies to each other as much it seemed to lean too heavily it started leaning too heavily into that in scream four and i thought we're on fumes and to me there's a new opportunity to to explore some things so bring in ari aster because (laughs) (laughs) no we agree no i do like the pivot but it's still the same because all west craven movies if you had to boil it down to one thing it's that the children are paying the price for something that their parents did. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. nightmare on Elm street. That's everything. Mm -hmm. And then this is still doing that, but in a new way where she's paying the price of having a homicidal father. Yes. And so she has homicidal tendencies. It's just a neat way to still honor that Wes Craven core value, but still put it on its. But I I think 
to that point, Tom. Like I'm, I'm more than half serious that that's the movie that I would like to see because they've set it up now twice by yeah. having having her revisited by Skeet Ulrich. Like, yeah, right. she's dealing with some serious stuff, and I would love to see her totally unravel. And I think honestly, mm. that would give Melissa Barrera something to do. Right. I I found the same the the same challenge in this movie that you guys had with Scream 5, Tom, was that that the real spark on screen was Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera was a a real suitable utility player, but wasn't written in a way that was anything more than kind of nanny state. And I really in it was the exact same thing. I think she's very good. Melissa Barrera, she's really good. But that the spark, the star is Jenna Ortega. And you yeah. can tell that in the marketing and everything because yep. Jenna Ortega is not in this movie as much as Melissa Barrera. But, uh, but she's but hosting really Saturday Night Live. But she's yeah, hosting Saturday weekend. Night Live yeah. this weekend. Yes, yeah. exactly the point. So, and she's fantastic. And, and she's that's the other thing, like just to talk yeah. about her performance, like, right. and, 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 you know, and my kids, you know, my 11 year old, knowing that we're going to do this this week, he's like, oh, Jenna Ortega, you know, I mean, yes. she's <laughs> ubiquitous in culture right mm-hmm. now. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing. And, and yeah. it's great. So, I mean, but that would be a, what you're describing. If you want to see her unravel, which I don't actually know if I do, I really like her as a hero and I like I like her conquering her demons. I like that storyline that we're going with. So, so I think that's what's interesting is to consider the 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 realm of if they're going to subvert it to the degree where you break up the sisters. That is something that's completely different from, you know, the sort of family movie that we get when we have these primary characters that are never working against each other in the same movie. A lot of that happens off screen, right? We have the divorce of Dewey and, and Gail, you know, these things. And then we're always presented with them with this sort of uh, opportunity to work together. But we never see our main protagonists, you know, wh- whoever the lead is, working against each other. So that would be potentially very interesting. If we look at the first iteration of the Scream franchise, which was we had, you know, look at who our killers are. Right. So in the second scream two, it's, it's a, it's a parent, you know, with a, a sidekick, you know, whatever. And so we, we get that in this one. Um, in the third one in scream three, we do have siblings at play because mm-hmm. it is Sydney and her long lost brother from her yeah. mother, you know, prior whatever. So it's possible, very possible that we're going to do siblings again in right. scream seven and that they're setting that up for the sisters to be at odds with one that another. That would be wild. Yeah. That well, would be wild. I, I think it goes to, you know, when you're talking about the grief of going through something mm. traumatic like school shootings, right? Yeah. That That's something I saw too. And one of the, one of the, the things that I thought was interesting about Scream 5 is there is, you know, we commented just generally on how much daylight there is. That's a, that's a oh, movie yeah. that's just yeah. very bright. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was, that's kind of a thing we're going through is look at the horrors that we visit unto one another in the daylight. We mm-hmm. don't have to be scared of the dark anymore because Things can get awful any time of day, yes. it turns out. Yeah. Um, this movie was, it, to me, by moving out of Woodsboro and moving into the big city, we get to explore the nature of public violence, that you, mm-hmm. it can come from anywhere in a group and you're still not protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, see yeah. the assassination on the train, which yeah. I thought was kind was of extraordinarily like e- vile and ho- terrifying. Like I thought it was just great. What do you think about that? Am I, am I alone in sort of seeing that pivot? The, the horrors in public in this movie, is that, is that shared? Yes. And that's actually, that goes back to a Kevin Williamson, the writer of the original screams. Uh, and I see what you did last winter or whatever it was called. I know, I know he was re- one of his biggest things was always having someone killed when they're just, about to be in public like there's a parade going yeah. by in i can't believe what you did last summer i know i'm just getting it wrong <laughs> i know wrong. what you did last summer. i know what you did last summer there's and or they're just in the balcony you know they're just on the other side and then yeah. he did that with the um soundproof booth in one of the screens yes. like there was yeah he's really big on that and i think that's incredibly um there's something really evocative about that about mm-hmm. the the uh savior of being in public being just inches away and still mm-hmm. not being able to help. Cause I really, when they said we're moving to New York, I was like, Oh, well that's it. 
Like it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. The fishbowl is gone, but I think it really opens it up. Yeah. And then to, to have that, that beginning scene, not the, not the cold open, but the one in the gas station or that Seven Eleven thing that really sort of ripped off of like, Oh, okay. Nowhere is safe. They're able yeah, right. to make New York as much of a fishbowl because now we have shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. Well, I, I I loved the cold open. I thought that was mm. used very well. I thought that was one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie. And I love. I, I feel like the momentum in the first half of this film is fantastic. We uh, should we should walk. Can you the, walk through briefly what the cold open did in this movie? Yeah. Because it's it's sort of an onion of of yeah. Cold open. Well, that's yeah. and so that. But I would like to do that. Where do you want okay. me to bookend it? Speaking of onions. Well, that's a that's a good. I, 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 I'll tell you what. You just start, and we'll see if we get to the end of the movie. So this movie is also a fun ready or not reunion with yes. the therapist, the yes. cold open, and then director's radio silence. Yes, are the yeah. ones that made uh, it. Go ahead, Gene. So I'm not familiar with any of those things, Tom. So I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, oh, the, the the directors of this also wrote and directed a film called Ready or Not, which the lead was Samara Weaving, and the therapist was the head of the family in it. So they just brought back their old movie friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. And this. Samara Weaving is the initial girl. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. She, yes. She's gotcha. the film professor. Yeah, yeah. And so she's at the bar waiting to meet someone for a first date. Is this what you want? You want to synopsis yes. this year? Yes, please. And yeah. she's called, and she's sort of audibly and visibly nervous to meet this person, um, but excited. It seems like her her sort of anxiety is built on the fact that she really wants to have a good first date. Um, and she receives the call, which is the hallmark of all Scream movies. Um, and this person on the line uh, sort of uh, flirts with her enough to get her outside and to get her into an alley uh, in, in New York, even though there is people, you know, everywhere that can see he gets her to a place where she is um alone and isolated and then and kills her there and Mm -hmm. i think it's great sort of take on you know the the sort of what the franchise has done in terms of its cold opens and bringing in an actress that is uh that is known and is and is uh, and is attractive and is (laughs) is someone that's very vulnerable at the initial part of the movie to bring her to the place to set exactly what we're looking at to create the setting of how people are vulnerable in wherever they go um and and that right away talking Mm -hmm. about taking out the sort of safety of public of new york happens as definitely part of the cold open there well, and and I, I think for for me, the point immediately after that, where he mm-hmm. gets down uh, and kneels and removes the mask, yeah. right? That's that was different from right. the la- that. This yeah. is the first time that's happened in this. And it was a killer that we layer. didn't know. We didn't right? know. Right. And so it takes us. Then he takes us. He very casually puts his stuff back in his backpack, goes back to his apartment. And to me, we're still in cold open territory. Mm-hmm. Right. Because sure. he goes back to his apartment and he, he's talking to his friend who on the phone. And that's another call. Right. We're now in another call. The killer's in a call. And it right. turns out the killer's in a call with a different killer because his his roommate with whom he was planning these other ghost face like he's already trying to become a copycat. He's planning all these things. His copycat uh, uh, roommate has already been killed. And we get introduced to the real ghost face in this movie wearing the antiqued mask mm. the aged mask and that starts the movie as this original guy in the cold open is killed so now instead of like the the first girl in scream getting killed uh and the phone call and all the scream phone call now we have the killer being killed after killing the mm-hmm. girl and i think that's that was really fun it was a rube goldberg machine of machine. murders <laughs> yeah yes. it's a crazy machine uh, and i i really really liked that i thought that was a thing I that allowed too. them to level up this movie well, like I said, the beginning of the film felt perfect to me. And that's mm-hmm. and, and when we talk about the Scream franchise, I think in general, as watching all these six movies, um, each one has a sort of different level of appreciation for logic <laughs> in the universe. And the first half of this movie feels perfect in the way that it's written for logic of what's happening. You never... You, you, I, I never felt like I was questioning whether or not this would happen. It's delivered well from an acting mm-hmm. perspective. It's written perfectly for the, the way around it. Now, in the second half of that movie, the, this movie, it fails 
lots of places that I had lots of struggles with. But there were entire films in the Scream franchise that were utter failures in terms of logic problems. This film at least had the first half when they're like what you're talking about, Pete, like bringing us into the world and allowing us to examine how we felt safe in public and all those, all those things were set up perfectly in this film. And I was very happy with that. Well, to transition to the second half of the movie, I I was watching an interview with the, the, um, the production team and the writers. And, and one of them said, scream five is greatest hits of scream. And if scream five is greatest hits, then scream six is the punk rock B side. And oh. I hmm. I thought that was weird. I think he had it backwards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the greatest hits. If there is a greatest hits movie in Scream, it's Scream 6. Mm-hmm. Because in the second half of the movie, we start to un- unravel the fact that all that the killers are leaving the masks who have, uh, you know, at the different scenes from the greatest hits of the pra- past killers. We, it's literally a memory lane tour. So yes. how did the unraveling of that, since JJ, I know already has problems, start with Steve. How did the the actual whodunit part work for you? I, I played along with it. And then when things are revealed, it, there there was a schism that happened where there was some, where there seemed to be a gigantic pivot for a character of like, Oh, I'm an oral person. Oh, I'm a lunatic. And I don't, I mean, to me, like I said, the, the strength of the movies, I think really hinges on the rationale of the killers. And this one just really fell apart for me in this one. It just did not mm-hmm. hold together well because it's, I, I love the idea. And that, I mean, for anybody listening, we're in spoiler territory now. So I mean, we're, yeah. we're going to get into this. So I love the idea that they point out like, Hey, there's been X number of killers and we've had, we've had pairs before. So I'm like, okay, we know this. We always know that there's somebody that's a suspect. Oh, but they were there at that point. Oh, remember there's two so that we can, somebody can always be present as an alibi. But when we say, oh, there's three and it's, I have to look at timeline because this takes place, what, like six months after the first film. So there's time for this trio to basically mourn the death of a sibling, go completely off the rails, bonkers. I don't get that. Like, dad lost it, great. But to get both his kids dragged in, I was like, no, 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 no. I, I mean, unless genetically you're all just, you know, we're going to say, you know, there's there's psychosis genetically being passed down here. I really, really struggled with, with that. I mean, I love the red herring with Kirby, all of that. But for me, that's where this went off the rails. There were great moments, uh, the way things were structured. If everything, if I set aside motivation, everything going on in that sort of kill box in the theater, I liked a lot of the dynamics of the chase and how things were set up, but I just couldn't get past Dermot Mulroney suddenly like, I'm going to be play crazy now. Just was not, it didn't sit well with me at all. Tom, Tom is laughing, I would say, maniacally. <laughs> what is going on? In, what is going on down there? I agree with everything that Steve is saying, and yet I just went with it. <laughs> I think I'm maybe built to go with it or because yeah. Dream 2022 was such a logic pretzel. Like, I just, I, I was like, what? And then my brain started to go, no, but wait, the sheriff like switched a body in an active crime scene. <laughs> His daughter's just going to like disappear for the rest of her life because they're pretending you're like none of it works if you stop to think about it. And instead I went, run. There's nine. <laughs> so I just, no, I mean, when you rethink it, and I really realized why I was laughing is I didn't rethink it until just now. Okay. And it does not hold up. And it is a real problem. And I still enjoyed the hell out of it. I didn't because I thought the filmmaking was so strong um, in a lot of it that the and the also the brutality has really ramped up since the last movie and this one. The, the yes. I mean, the brutality yes. of like, we used to be afraid of, oh, I'm going to get stabbed once. Right. That is not, that's like, phew. Oh, yes, exactly. That's <laughs> that what, like, you're yeah. psyched to get stabbed just once. Because right. you now can they're get just stabbed like, once. <laughs> so much stabbed. We're also out of orifices for knives to go into. <laughs> well, and did you notice like how many, how many, like, 
knife twists there are. Yeah. Like, I know that's the metaphor. Don't twist the knife. This movie, yeah. they twist the knife every time oh, yeah. in the yeah. gut, in the yeah. throat, in the head. Yeah. Like they're always twisting. Mm-hmm. That, it was extraordinary. Because the movie, other than the subway scene, I didn't find this movie very scary. But there was still fear involved because of the brutality. Like, Mm -hmm. I still wanted them to get away because not getting away is so horrible. (laughs) Well, I I would say I I think the uh, absolutely the subway that was that was seriously threatening. I think the uh, the escape from the apartment on the ladder sequence was also Mm, incredibly intense. Maybe not for the stabbing like that wasn't particularly horrible, but just gravity. Like, I just didn't want him to fall. It was Mm -hmm. really intense. Like, uh, there are other things you can do with ladders, though. There are. They made it as if it was a tight wire yeah but there are i mean that's so this is where we get into the sort of logic problems of like oh you have many different options here that you are just not trying because it's for the sake of the film Mm -hmm. and many of the machines that they use in the movie and i shouldn't even say machines but like for they don't the characters in this movie don't understand guns for as good as they are with them they don't know how to use them. Right, that, because they've only seen knives before, JJ. I yes. guess, but the <laughs> cop who literally is being charged by someone with a gun pointed at them does yeah. not shoot. And then in literally the right. next scene, we see him with a dead shot accuracy hitting yeah. people, hitting mannequins in the face yes. over and over again. <laughs> that's right, but he yeah, had that's right. at least four and a half seconds to shoot at someone who was charging directly on him with a gun pointed at her. And never used it. I mean, there's where I get into the logic problems of the things that are there. They're written for the movie. Mm -hmm. And just like you're saying, Tommy, I enjoyed it. But if you have, if you're looking for to reason this stuff out, don't. Because that's where it falls apart. The first half of this movie doesn't have any of that. The first half is so well written and is Mm -hmm. so perfectly conceptualized that you are just along for the ride and you're loving it. But as soon as you start getting into these like other set pieces it mm-hmm. it kind of falls apart unfortunately which makes me sad i i think that was a challenge that i had too jj and it was it was when our principal character said let's make let's lure them into this theater and make a kill box mm-hmm. right i just was i was done with the logic <laughs> of the movie at that point like that makes it, sense. I, I think it was fun and fine. And the fact that we have a, a family affair, like they're always kind of family affairs, right? Like right, yeah. I kind of get that. But the the final sequence in the theater was just a dance of of blocking and and violence. It was mm-hmm. I was no longer into the emotional intensity of, of mm-hmm. the film. I was, Reminds I was me of Scream Two. Which mm-hmm. in my in 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 and and they hearkened back to Scream Two a lot because of the college thing in this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then of course you have the theater and the stage. It, yeah, the van, all this stuff. I, I, it, but in my opinion, Scream Two is the like weakest of the franchise. So all of a sudden, we get this sort of thing where, uh, of course, the thing that we're paying most homage to is 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 not the greatest. And and I feel like they that second half of the film really kind of dropped it for me in this one because of that. Tom, we switched to franchise rules. <laughs> uh, how did you how did you feel about the interpretation of franchise rules? Uh. <laughs> We've been doing they they re especially in Scream Five they make a real big deal about the requel and she gives the new Randy Randy's cousin yeah God, who is no. Randy's cousin uncle the niece niece maybe niece yeah um uncle Randy yeah I think it's his niece yeah. I I try to get more excited about the fact that things are changing but like back in three of like uh you know the you know, Patrick Dempsey. Is like mm-hmm. he, that's when they start screaming about all rules are off. We've we've done mm-hmm. this. We've yeah. done the no one's right. safe. Everything changes. There's they're trying to make it seem like it's a new path, but they've been ringing yeah. this bell since three. So yeah, even that I you know even the conversation like we've had it in a college classroom. We've had it in front of a TV at the original Woodsboro House. We've had it. We've had the conversation, the recitation of rules, and here we have it like on the quad uh, right. under a park bench mm-hmm. where they say that not everybody everybody is is. Uh, no one is safe. Even the people that you think are safe, don't worry, you're, they're not safe. And it turns out, of course, yes, the killer was on the poster. Um, right. And so, so many people are safe. <laughs> so many people are safe. And that is actually one of the interesting things. So, I, like, when you look at this, so, uh, Steve, you look at this movie in the context of Scream, it's not a, I, I don't think you can anymore count the number of people who are killed in the Scream movies. You have to count the number of people who were stabbed and survived. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. But I think more people survived than died. 
Well, they set that up in Scream Five, right? That, yeah, with with our cold open with Jenna Ortega, right? And she yeah survives. The fact that and we that was, keep Jenna Ortega, right? It was a nice twist. We're going to do something different. We're going to violate our own rules and expectations, which I appreciate. But then when you have the scene of oh, these are the franchise rules and legacy characters, even I'm like, but you, is to Tommy's point, that's not new. You haven't done anything. Play, if you're going to reinvent this, you know, twist it around. But yeah, not to the point of. Oh, well, I'm sorry. It's just a flesh wound. Everybody's going to be okay unless you get stabbed 20 times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that seems to be the thing. But I think that even uh, happened to Chad. I mean, he there were two ghost faces so around him. Happened. I'm like, so Chad, Chad can get stabbed a dozen times and it's not lethal. But yeah, as mm-hmm. you said, that was the great thing in the f- first one. The first you know, few was if, if a knife impacted on you, you were gone. Right there, there was a lethality to that of mm-hmm. the the wound and the injury. You you were done, except Sydney does get stabbed, like sort of a gr- grazing blow in the first one when she's in the van. Um, but yeah, I I don't know what why we're ramping things up. You know, to I guess if we're going to have more violence and gore, then the, the extreme ones are going to be the death, and so we can have people get stabbed, and it's not as lethal. I Again, I don't know what the rules are that they're trying to establish with this one. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, maybe we just call it, instead of Scream 6, it's just going to be like Stabby, you know, we'll just call it Stabby (laughs) 7. Well, oh, wait a second. I have what you were talking about. Where's the gas for the franchise? Yeah. Yeah. What if they just make Stab 7? <laughs> no, I mean really. Like instead we have Scream 1 through 6 and then instead of making Stab 1 through 6, the next movie in this franchise is Stab 7. Yes, but it's presented, you go to the movie theater, it's presented with the silhouette of the core four sitting in the audience in front of you. Why? Yes. Oh, yeah. What a cool idea. Oh my gosh, let's write it. I love I it. Can't wait for the next movie to start. And it turns out Dermot Mulrooney's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it starts and he's like, that was a close one. <laughs> and you're like, this sucks. <laughs> well, it does get yeah. to that. Uh, you know, one of the criticisms I think of a lot of, of horror movies from the larger medical community is we could have fixed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so like some of that is this movie saying, okay, there is a reality that there's a medical establishment with mm. people who know how to sew people up and fix, yeah. you know, stabbed yeah. organs. And let's just, maybe that needs to be another layer of reality that we put on this. You're not just going to get, get stabbed a couple of times and, and, you know, die. There's, there's a ticking clock behind every injury. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you win mm-hmm. the ticking clock. Speaking of, we've got to talk about Kirby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hayden Panettiere <laughs> is back. Mm-hmm. Um, what did, what an interesting performance this was from Hayden Pentier, I so think. Posy. Right? I, th- I thought she was doing, yeah. I mean, I think she's fine and stuff, but it seemed like like a joke. <laughs> I don't know. Well, she, she was so like. seems like a joke in Scream 4, though, too. Yeah. Like, I actually think what you're talking okay. about, like, that kind of goes into her character. The Kirby character is, is really a caricature in Scream yes. 4. Yeah. So for her to come in and be a different kind of posy, right? Like it yeah. may actually connect to who Kirby is as a character. The, the problem is Kirby's performance or her performance in this film comes after the existence of Will Arnett's improvisational detective show, Murder Town. <laughs> yeah. Murder Town. <laughs> yes. And I could not help but imagining. Hayden Panchier coming on set and saying, okay, here's our, here's our beat. Here's what you're going to kind of be met with. Just roll with it. Right. (laughs) This is what we got. Um, I don't, I I think to your point, JJ, like her quippiness, like she's, she's the quippy kind of trivia horror fanatic in Scream 4. I really liked her in Scream 4 because Mm. I, I felt like I understood what that character was making her the FBI agent. And then the questionable uh, FBI agent of questionable intellectual integrity uh, or emotional integrity i think was was an interesting thing but nowhere in after the reveal when dermot moroni comes and says oh she's psychotic don't trust her i never came back around and believed yeah. that she was actually not i thought okay don't she's save both. her she's nuts yeah, she's broken exactly. let her die right yeah are subways really that dark in new york 
Does no. that really happen? Okay, okay. So that was for the film too. Well, I've only been to New York a couple times, but the lights have never gone out. That's okay, like a well, very old school subway. Old yeah. school. Well, I have That's been like on welcome trains. back Cotter kind of <laughs> yeah. era of New York subway. <laughs> yes. uh, I have been on trains in foreign countries where that happens mm-hmm. um, right. pretty regularly, actually. But I just, it seemed very weird. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like set up for the film to have that moment be more intense. I think so. Yeah, I think yes, it's, yeah. it's 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 it was New York esque. Yeah, I wish they yeah, would have yeah. taken a cab. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but then you would the whole... get to see that exactly. the entire yeah. city is in costume right. on Halloween. Yes. Is, right, right. Uh, you know, again, this is why the second half of the movie is just all yeah. written for the purpose mm-hmm. of the film. Whereas, yeah. like that first half of the movie, I just felt so excited, and then everything started falling apart for me. Yeah, and I and we, I I can say that I agree with that, and I was still along for the ride most yeah. of the time. Well, oh, too, yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't when Halloween comes along, we don't dress as serial killers, right? Right. <laughs> No, <laughs> like I also like that everyone is just always wearing these horrific costumes that were mm-hmm. involved in crimes. Yeah. Like we, that doesn't really happen, does it? I don't know. No, like, you you, know, th- you think the police or just societal norms would be like, dude, that's in really bad taste. <laughs> yeah, you that's don't terrible. dress up like that. That's like, yeah. no, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. That that whole train was in bad taste. But yeah. but it does give us such a really interesting and again, to our earlier point, threatening sequence of blink, right? Like whenever the lights go out, yeah. the character gets closer to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to say, I think this is one of those examples where the trailer uh, reveal of this sequence uh, w- was a fantastic setup to the actual sequence in the movie because in the trailer you get the feeling that they're all together mm-hmm, on the right. train. All of our principal core four yeah. characters are together on the train and in the movie they're not. They've been separated and I found myself kind of on the edge of my <laughs> weird recliner seat in the movie theater thinking, wow, they've separated those characters. How are they possibly going to let this sequence play out? And I think it played out really, really well. Like I, it was, It was an awesome and threatening kind of event. But why do they get separated? Like, crowded. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. like, so crowded. like they're, they're so literally, crowded Halloween crowds, I guess, Halloween you know, crowds. and we're just, you know, not thinking about the fact that we're, yeah. we're running from mortal danger and our sister is we're leaving mm-hmm. behind with the person that we only included along because we do think he's the serial killer, but yeah. we were keeping an eye on him. But we uh, unfortunately let our sister get trapped with. Him. Yeah, it's just right. uh and hey, Rose hey, in New York. He is oh. the killer. And the killer. I know. Right. And like, he is. So and, it's just like, oh. yeah. Yeah. And at that point, like, I think two of the three killers were actually on the train together. Like that was right. uh, that was that's, that that would be an interesting like production notes. Like in this yeah. scene, who's the ghost face? Is it? Yeah. Is it dad? Is it the brother? Is it the sister? So is it, it the sister? I'm, I'm sure I'm assuming best intentions on everybody's behalf that it, it that in planning that they're like, OK, in this sequence, it's got to be this person because we mm-hmm. know so and so is here and this person has to be here doing these things that there would I would assume at least, you know, to JJ, at least in the first half of the movie. Yes. In the second half, I have no idea because logic <laughs> seemed to have been cast yeah. aside in, in terms of, you know, what's what's pertinent to exciting storytelling. But I, I it's something I started thinking about uh, watching this because of, of three killers of what's what's sort of the chess piece going on behind the scenes of like, how do we account for everybody? And so at what point is is mm-hmm. who and who the killer? Because they do address that. That does come up in. Scream 2022, I think, because what one of them says, "Oh yeah, it was, I got to kill Dewey." It's like they're claiming credit for right. for for the kills and everything, which was which was kind of cool. There's that prestige right. of like I killed the legacy character. I Here it's like, like we don't know we don't know character. who is in the room with Gale, um, yeah. but you know it's clearly you know again oh, yeah. so things that that I I've learned not to do when I'm when a friend of mine is being about to be killed by somebody and I have a gun pointed at them, I shouldn't say, hey, ghost face to let them know I'm there <laughs> before shooting. I should just take the shot. I hated that so much. Just shoot him. And okay, so my favorite thing about the entire screen franchise that I always want them to do more of is when people are beating up Ghostface. Like oh, yeah. the, the sort of like the you're in mortal danger. You're actually and they do it. A lot. A lot of people get hits on Ghostface all this time. Oh, in the but head they all the never time. Never yeah. finish off. Go, like, you've literally got Ghostface on the floor. You're kicking them in the stomach. You're like, 
And then you, when, when is your choice to run instead of just like, I'm winning now, (laughs) I should take this person out completely. Yes. The whole time in this movie, it was a lot too. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you can win this. You have the chance and you give it up so freely. Yes. (laughs) I want more beat up of Ghostface. I want Mm, more justice, more retribution. Yes. More oh, retribution. So okay. So so you're you're in Sam's camp then, right? Like it feels yeah. good sure. just to have somebody 20 something yeah. times and it felt it felt right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> can we talk justice. about can we the serial it, killers? Can we talk about favorite kills? In this movie. Yeah. That's what this movie is about. Well, can we just no, maybe just not. favorite stabs because yeah, like favorite, so many okay, people favorite, don't actually so die. many people survive. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think the subway know? sequence was my favorite sequence. Subway sequence. Mm-hmm. All right. Because Ugh. last I think last time the I, I think we talked about our favorite one was the one in the in the kitchen. The slow push on Ugh. what's his name? That was gruesome right. refrigerator. Uh and so I, I don't I don't know about I'm thinking about that. Steve, what do you got? Um I think probably the one the one that just stick sticks with me. The most is uh, uh, Mindy's girlfriend because she's the one that gets stabbed in the gut. There's the turn of the knife, yeah. yet she's still completely capable of like making it across the ladder of just like I'm I'm gutting this out type of thing. So there was something about so to speak that <laughs> yes, exactly. And as we had that overhead shot, I'm like, what floor are they on? Because how lethal is that? It's like oh maybe a broken leg or hip, but it's like. Oh no! You're going to hit your head on the dumpster. And so, that was it, rough. what was interesting that was about rough. that one was the kill was really incidental. I mean, although Ghostface is the one that sort of flips her off the ladder, it's like no, it was just you know sort of bad luck that you hit the dumpster on the way down that, that did you in. Although she probably would have bled out, but that's that yeah. one I found interesting because it wasn't a direct Ghostface kill. It was more, yeah. It, it was Ghostface adjacent. Yes. That would have been exactly. cool All if right. Dermot Mulrooney and his two kids show up at the theater and the dumpster. <laughs> like the dumpster also rolls up and they're like, boy, oh boy, everyone's in on it. JJ, you have a favorite? Uh, I Well, you know, if following what we were just talking about, I think the retribution that Sam gets when she stabs oh, right. Dermot Mulroney yeah. on the stage so many is times. probably the most emotionally mm-hmm. satisfying yep. one to me. I really, I actually did like, as Chad goes down with the two ghost faces on either side of him, I thought that was ridiculous and like but also like in the graphic nature of this film like Mm -hmm. it it felt like part of this universe i think as we keep talking about this i'm trying to be objective and like if there ever was a film to desensitize us to to murder and to we're here yeah yeah exactly it's It's just like it's (laughs) yeah this is fine (laughs) then there's a therapist who was killed down the block last week like in the face face. (laughs) (laughs) i uh Anyway. I I think the the fr- I think this is you guys are going to have to correct me. It's been a couple of days, but the the actual act of the stab is still firmly lodged in my head. But now I don't remember who received it. I think it's Tony Revolori, uh, uh, the in the very first he was, mm-hmm. he's the first mask revealing killer, yeah. um, the film student. He gets it in. I think he gets it in the throat, and there is a twist. Right, he gets the mouth in the. He gets it. He gets killed in the mouth, and then twist twisted. And there's like a click as something happens. No, no, no. That that was that's that's not him. Who was that? That's the son. That's the son. The the guy from Avatar, Jack Champion. Yeah. Yeah, mm. that's when he gets mm. he gets okay. it in the mouth, and there's a twist. Yeah, it's that one. That's yeah. my. I think that was that my was, favorite one. Yeah, that was Jenna Ortega because that's when she comes down off of the balcony. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah. And he stabs her as she's coming down, but yeah. while stabbed, yeah, she stabs him in the face. Yeah, she kills him in the mouth. But she survives. Yeah. Yes, but yes, perfect. It's perfect. It's how it should. It's how how it should be. <laughs> Favorite call out uh, standout performances. Anybody you want to call out before we wrap up? Uh, Jenna Ortega. I think so. I haven't watched Wednesday, um, mm-hmm. and it's just she's she conveys emotion in such a wonderful way. My as an audience member, as I'm watching her go through things, it, it was hard for me in the first half of the film because she was dismissive, right? She was dismissive of the danger and all these things. But in her character arc of this, when she starts appreciating the sort of emotional 
depth of the situation and she conveys it. And I ended up going on the ride with her, which I didn't expect. And I just, I really like her. I mean, I, I found myself saying so many times with just her single lines, I was like, oh, she's really great. So I was really moved by what she did and I'm super impressed by what she can do on screen. I, I really enjoy Jasmine Savoy Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think she's I think she's really great, but it struck me. I was like, where have I seen her before? Because I've never seen Yellow Jackets. Uh, I definitely That's where have, I know her from. Yeah. Okay, I've sorry. seen uh Laggies. Uh obviously I knew her from the from Scream 2022, but I have been spending a an inordinate amount of time with her because I've been beating her up as Spider-Man Miles Morales. She plays <laughs> one of she plays kind of one of the the big kind of enemies and emotional kind of interest in uh in that thing and she's really good in the video game and so i felt like god she's so familiar oh she's like loki living in my head on my tv uh, really, really great. does anybody know how old roger jackson the voice of Ghostface, is i mean he's been was, doing this for wow. almost 30 years so yeah at, at what point i mean that's that's the other i mean that was the one moment that was interesting to me was Ghostface on the phone with Gail as sort of like the mm-hmm. two longstanding characters. But then I have to, you know, when Ghostface says, you know, Gail, finally we get to talk or something I'm like, but dude, you've never talked to her because you're not, it's not like you're Ghostface. That's been a thing. You're not possessed by the spirit of Ghostface. You're just some cop or a kid or something. I don't know. But that's the one thing that I, <laughs> I feel like if we're going to run out of gas is if we ever lose Roger Jackson, Roger Jackson, as as the voice of Ghostface, because it is the iconic piece that really, to me, that's what well, makes still have Ghostface the Frog. So yeah, I think okay, that, you know, yeah, like, somebody's it's, gonna it's be not able the to same, do it. but it's not the same. <laughs> it it's is it's same, a little bit different, but that's what makes for me is always that appeal of when that phone rings and hearing that voice and what he's able yeah. to convey, the menace and the way he he talks to me is is still the thing that just always makes we enjoy these films is that performance through the phone uh, for that. I mean, that's really the standout for me is always what he brings to that. He's uh, 65. Okay. All right. Still trucking. All right. Still trucking. I, I I think this, I I think that the last thing I have to say just as an, an unbelievable segue is that, this is the first movie that I've seen in theaters that has explicitly called out Letterboxd as a thing. <laughs> That's right. And this in the same week that the MPAA has called out Letterboxd to do the uh, love letters from Letterboxd thing in promotion to uh, for the uh, Oscars for the Academy Awards this year, okay. uh, which was incredible. It was, an, it was a lovely sort of note to a team that um, we certainly love around here and uh, have been longtime partners with Letterboxd. If you are uh, not a Letterboxd uh, user yet, it's the best social network for movie lovers. And a lot of us over here put our reviews and ratings and our watch lists, diaries, movie diaries over on letterbox.com. You can uh, uh, definitely find us at the next at uh, letterbox.com slash the next reel. Uh, there is a paid a set of paid tiers or two paid tiers if you want to get rid of ads and support the wonderful Kiwi team that makes this service. You can get 20% off by using the discount code NEXTREEL at checkout. Uh, it works for pro or patrons. And it works for renewals as well. Thank you, Letterboxd, for being a constant uh, and um, fantastic partner for the next reel. Uh, so, out of five stars, guys, where do you put this movie? Closing thoughts and ratings, please. Steve? I was leaning towards 3.5, but JJ brought me back to Earth, and I'm going with a three <laughs> on this one because I did enjoy it. And the thing is, I was trying to look at my rankings all throughout the franchise because it starts off really high with the first scream and slowly trickles down, and then it came back up with 2022. But yeah, I, I th- the last half of this just made me so angry. So it's it's not that it lost stars. It's like I knocked them off. I shook the ladder to toss those <laughs> stars off. So I'm down to I'm down to three on this one. All right, JJ, <laughs> uh, I I'm a three as well. Um, and but for more of a positive reason, in that you know it's on the plus side of of, of half there. And I I really enjoyed 
being able <laughs> to watch this franchise. And I feel like, again, I think the first half of this this film of Scream 6 is is kind of immaculate in what it does here. So um, I agree. I was very angry with the second half. But I leave it at three because I'm still going to see these movies because they're fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those logic problems, like they drive me nuts. So um, yeah, three <laughs> out of five for me and a like and a like as well. Okay, so you're you're full heart mode then. Yeah. Uh Thomas. Uh much like last time with Ocean, I'm gonna go three point five and there's a chance when I rewatch this it's gonna go down to three. <laughs> but uh right now three point five because I just had a great time with it and I just really like this franchise. I uh, I think I probably if I weren't with you guys right now, I probably would be a three. Uh, but I feel bad for the movie a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> If I look at the overall sort of proportion of the movie that I enjoyed versus the parts of the movie that I didn't, it's it's I, I'm going to give it a four. I think most of the time hey. I had a great time with it. It was right up until Killbox when I sort of lost mm-hmm. lost the thread a little bit. And that was kind of the end. That's that's the climax. But it's I'm going to give it uh, I'll be again like Tom and say pr- maybe next time it'll drop a little bit but I had a great time at the movie I loved seeing it in the theater uh, I haven't seen a screen movie in the theater in a long long time and um, so it was uh, it was fun and I was sitting next to I, I was in the middle of a group of singles like oh, and, okay. and they were all kind of big guys who were very exuberant in their feelings about this movie and every kill was just loud raucous oh oh man oh in the face like all of the kinds of things that you would get it was it made it uh it made it a great experience on top of being a pretty darn good movie so i love that and i'm glad you talked about that because with horror being new for me i haven't been to the theater for a horror film Mm -hmm. that i can remember at all and so and my theater experience was really negative in that i was sitting next to an entire to a family and the 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 younger people and they, and they're they're grown children but like they were like maybe you know college age kids whatever the dad who was a bit older than me the younger were doing the sort of talking and stuff and he was constantly yelling at them to stop talking and like <laughs> oh. having full on conversations like we will leave this theater and all this stuff and I'm like oh taking me out of the movie and then the yeah. the boy the you know he's like a 21 year old boy or something fell asleep like mid in like three quarters through and then started pawing me. Like like he was like reaching what? over to me. To be, it was I was like, oh my goodness. Like it was uh, uh it was a very uncomfortable horror film thing. And and I so what much so that I, going into this, I know, and going into this this movie, I was like, Oh, I'm excited to see what a horror film theater experience is like. Yeah. And I was like, not this. <laughs> so um, uh yeah. So uh maybe the next one. Maybe the next one will be a little bit more uh sophisticated. The next one, the next one, the next one. Well, I can actually tell you what the next one might very well be. And it could be the boldest choice and the hardest pivot uh, for you, JJ, in particular. Uh, We're going to be talking about Bo is Afraid, the new three-hour experience from horror director Ari Aster. Um, I, I think we're... Is it possible? I think we're a mixed bag on... Ari Aster mm-hmm. movies uh, and Steve loves Midsommar. I I stuff it into a bear and light it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I well, so and for me, I mean, those are the kinds of horror films that I appreciate in a way that's very different from this, from what you would expect from Scream and these other things. So I'm yeah. very excited for it because now I'm open to taking my mind there. So bold is exactly where I want to go. I sort of feel like Ari Aster sits down with Joaquin Phoenix and says, tell me everything, and then we'll make a movie about it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So that is coming in April. That's our April fair for now. Uh, uh, Thank you for talking about this scary movie, everybody. Steve, good to talk to you. You know, we all go a little mad sometimes. (laughs) JJ, thank you. Greaming my way to April. And Tom. Knives. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next month right here on the film board.
Here on the Film Board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 